the only podcast that is now old enough to drink. Wait, that doesn't work. You're now listening to the exclamation mark. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Exclamation Mark Podcast, episode number 21. We are now old enough to drink. Um, with me, as always, I am Crofton Steers, the Batman to my Robin, Bo Schwartz. Bo, how are you? Hey guys, are we going to do a podcast? Can I help? Tell me what I can do. I'd love to really help out. Hi, everyone. Wait. That's not. I gave you Batman. Oh, you. you oh, you gave me Batman. You could have said, Batman. "I am the Knight." There you go, you dumb little sidekick. That's my impression of how shitty and losery you sound. You need. <laughs> you need more training. I threw you for a loop there. I really should have given you the shittier guy. I yeah. Nope. I'm sorry, dude. I thought you. I totally thought you were throwing me. Uh, you know, under the Batmobile, so to speak. Um, it was. It was really funny because I. You know. I'm one of three brothers. I'm the eldest, and my mom like would dress us up for Halloween. And there's this funny Halloween costume, of like, of of me as Superman, uh, my my middle brother is Batman, and then the little brother is Robin. And I'm always like, oh man, poor little brother really got screwed. <laughs> you got the loser costume. <laughs> yeah, Batman's cool. Would, Superman is powerful, and then there's Robin. Is that how the conversation would go? Would you be like, "Geez, little bro, I'm sorry you got the loser costume. Maybe someday you'll be a big." Oh no, that. Well, you'll never, sorry. You'll never be. The <laughs> Why did I bring this up? How's your candy? Is the candy good? All right. <laughs> <laughs> I know it was always awkward. Mm. Um, yeah, he always got the shittiest end of everything. But so that's you're the third kid. That's what you get. Luckily, that's not what you're going to get listening to this podcast. You're going to get grade A material. We're going to be talking uh, all sorts of uh, gaming news this week. And also, uh, I just wanted to take a moment before we got into things to talk to Bo a little bit about his latest endeavor because he's been all over the interwebs lately. Bo, how does it feel to be a celebrity podcaster? Um, well... <laughs> I don't. I think it's just kind of like a confluence of a bunch of great events that have happened. I am not a celebrity podcaster. But, when do um, you become a celebrity podcaster? Because I looked at the Canadian iTunes charts today, and at one point, a podcast that you were co-hosting. So maybe this one. All right. Well, we talked one. about this last week. I was excited yeah. that I announced I was doing a Heroes of the Storm podcast called Core. Right. Um, super stoked about that. I do that podcast with a legit celebrity podcaster who goes by the name of Scott Johnson. So the fact that anyone's listening has to do with his pedigree. Um, and my job is just to make sure that I, you know, do it justice, I suppose, or provide Don't some screw content. up. Yeah, don't screw up. Be be cool. But to be honest, Bo, that's your job here, too. But it, it is exciting having started two podcasts um, and have it 
have them start at God knows 600,000th on whatever <laughs> list of podcasts in iTunes. From unranked. Yeah, unranked. <laughs> uh, to actually have something that shows up in the Canadian iTunes store as high as number two last night. And yes, I was refreshing it like every hour. Refresh, <laughs> refresh. Is, is it uncouth to add my own review? This podcast oh, is Oh, I didn't even ever. think of doing that. No, we didn't have to do that. So on Good, Bad, or Bullshit, we have a review. It's from my mom. Um, I, don't, I don't think we have a review yet on exm but we did have some give us a review people. we had i saw there were three on the u.s store i can see that and there was one on the canadian store and um I, anyways not to go on too long about it but yes i we did our first show i think we got some really good feedback someone logged in and looked for me in heroes of the storm just to tell me that the they thought the podcast was good and that they were from the netherlands and and they the never, Netherlands. Yeah, it, it wasn't a friend. Like I'm, I don't even know how we found. He must have found it maybe on Hot Slogs or something. I, I'm guessing, but um, that was cool. That was really nice, and some positive vibes on Twitter and stuff. So, so far so good. People enjoy the first show, so that's pretty big. And in an effort to promote the show, um, John Jagger and I were on Current Geek last Friday, which was also kind of a, a little dream come true. Even though they made fun of me for saying that, but. Yeah, um, I've been listening I... since episode one, and I love you know listening to that show. And it's like you kind of you listen to things, and you're like, "There's no way I'll ever be on a thing like a legit thing. I have to make my own things." Except you know what? What we do is legit, and I didn't mean to be disparaging. But you know. no, no, no. I understand. It's like you listen. Something inspires you. You get into you get into be it podcasting, be it video, be it whatever for certain reasons, and. Uh, uh, you know, you have your heroes in in any medium, and to be able to work with one of them, no matter what it is, is is awesome. So, I mean, I think that's really cool. Yeah. I think that's really cool. So that's all been freaking amazing, and it's not over yet. I'm teaching a class on podcasting. I don't know why. Um, I know how to do it, but like. <laughs> We've covered the legitimacy issue with, you know, my show started at 600,000. Um, and, and somebody wants to interview me on the radio about That's, this course, I mean, which it, was... It, so, first of all, I'm a podcaster, so I look at radio with a tiny bit of disdain, like, ugh, radio, podcasting's where it's at. But at the same time, I know that radio's really a thing, and lots of people listen to it, and I'm just being an elitist jerk, and that a lot of people will look at that and say, like... Oh, you do a podcast? I don't know what that is. Oh, you're on the radio? Wow! Like, there's a certain legitimacy to radio, I suppose. So it's exciting. I think I was just, again, a jerk there, but... Um, no, no, it's it's good. It's cool, and uh, I think, though... I'm very flattered. If, if for the course, too, like, teaching podcasting, you've done a lot of podcasting, and now I think it's worthwhile that you share that knowledge. Like, there's a lot of people that teach courses that don't know what the hell they're talking about I, I remember that one Simpsons episode where Homer gets a job teaching I forget I think it's like he's teaching like family relations or something oh, like good that Lord. <laughs> of course but, that's something he knows nothing about but, but meanwhile like all the other courses are like ridiculous courses and you're teaching something people actually need to know or are interested in knowing about and honestly if somebody asked me how to podcast I would be like first ask Bo how to get started then ask him if he'll do it, and then show up and record. Oh, you and left out the part in the middle where it's like argue and get frustrated with it. <laughs> that's a creative process. That's in everything. Anyway, that's cool. Um, so I mean, yeah. for those of you who listen to the show who who like who like Bo, you can you can get him in a lot more places now. Oh God, that sounded horrible. 
not just because I'm sick. You can get him a lot more raspy. You can get me in a lot more places. So thanks for giving me the podium a bit to shout out all my crap. But um, no, 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 I I think it's cool. Um, So now uh, let us move into the wonderful world of video games uh, by looking at the news of the week in a segment. Oh wait, what? Sorry, I started dialing the phone, but I realized you weren't finished. I didn't want to be rude. No, no, that's okay. Start, start her up. All right. Oh, I can't believe you started her up. You're so rude. Readme.txt. Is readme.txt? Yes, the most cleverly titled news segment on any podcast this side of the Milky Way. It is cleverly uh it is cleverly titled in the fact that I enjoy it and anything that makes me laugh is I clever. I know there's a case of nerds out there listening who are like, it's not readme.nfo. It's so lame. <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a high level of nerd. Yeah. Um speaking of high levels of nerd, the first thing I want to talk about is The Witcher 3, Witcher 3, which I love. Witcher 3 in the house. Witcher 3 boys. If, if you were listening to this podcast and you took a shot every time that I fangirled on Witcher 3, you would be pretty drunk. Um, anyway, uh, Witcher 3's expansions, it's going to have two expansions. CD Projekt Red has given away a ton of free DLC, but they haven't necessarily um, had like big DLC packs. Uh, and they're using the term expansion, which I think is a throwback in and of itself. You know, it's like to expansion packs and stuff. And it really kind of feels that way with their, their, their two expansions. The, the second one they, they, they have said for a long time is going to include a new area. But the first one they've been kind of – they said there's going to be a new storyline. And, and it, they've been kind of playing up the details a little close to their chest. But they've released a, a bunch of it. It's called Hearts of Stone. And it's coming out real soon. And I said earlier this year on the show that I think The Witcher 3 DLC may be my most anticipated game of the fall. <laughs> I'm not sure that stands because I'm still not done The Witcher 3. But uh, I am excited and I definitely will be uh, will be buying it. So uh, it's the game that keeps on giving, Bo. So you finished Witcher 3, correct? We covered this on the show. No, incorrect. So you didn't finish it? No. Well, you... Okay. Well, I mean, these things happen. It happened to me with Skyrim, but uh... <laughs> it's it's. But here's the thing, is like, okay, so I'm I I finished Batman Arkham Knight, and I told myself like, oh, if I ever play Batman Arkham Knight, I'm going to drop The Witcher, and that's exactly what happened, till I was done. And Rocket League, honestly, Rocket League was the biggest defender in drawing me away from The Witcher. But it's also we talked about investment time a few podcasts back. The idea of you sit down, it takes you a long time to get into a game. Well, The Witcher Three, it's so immersive. It's it's like as soon as you're in, you want to stay in, but it takes a while to get in. And uh, because of that, I feel I feel like I've I, I often would be like, oh, I'll play a quick game of Rocket League instead of like sitting down and get immersed in The Witcher Three. Yeah. There was never a good time to play The Witcher Three for me, yeah. and I was near the end too. Like I, I'm, I'm near the end of the story, but there's still a ton of extra shit to do, and I want to do all of it because it's all so high quality. And now this DLC pack, not only is it going to have a, a very high quality story in the vein of the Bloody Barry, B- Bloody Baron storyline um, in the uh, The Witcher Three, which is a highly regarded storyline, they're they're going to have 
also a bunch of bonus stuff, like a bunch of extra missions, a bunch of Witcher contracts. Like, it's just going to be like, I'm starting to get rid of those icons on my map and stuff, but they're all going to pop back up. And, um, I'm, you know, I'm kind of excited about it, but I'm having one little element of reservation, which is that, um, I bought that gamer PC that's in the mail and I'm biting my nails every day, wondering when I'm going to get it. And, uh, you know, Witcher 3, you can get like a super graphically pimped out version on PC, but I have it on PS4 already. I totally wouldn't mind buying that game a second time, but putting in the time that I put into the PS4 version, I put hundreds of hours probably into that version. Like, I wish I could just transfer it over to the PC version, but I don't think that's possible. Man, first world problems. I But I, I, feel pro- you, I feel your pain, which is why you don't buy games like that for consoles. But, um... Uh, sorry, you shouldn't, but it's totally cool that you did. I'm not trying to be judgy. I didn't uh, have my computer before, literally could not have I run know, that game. I know, I know. It's, and I wanted to play it. He's a, it's, a, it's a tough decision. I think it's probably fine. There'll be other games in the future. Keep in mind that you probably are still being tempted by Metal Gear Solid Five. So I, you knew I think it. You read my mind. I, I, think, um, I think what you, you, know, you need to do with The Witcher is you need to find a Sunday where you don't have any responsibilities and you, know, you can take care of your little one pretty reasonably enough to get into some witcher like i totally get needing the investment time for a game like that it's been a while since i've been in a in a a heavily invested game i you know rocket the rocket leagues of the universe you know definitely capitalize on hey i've got a free hour let me log in for a quick game so yeah our heroes is the same right it's like 15 minutes 20 minutes half an hour whatever you can go in you're immediately through it and then you're then you know you move on but yeah the witcher 3 you really want to sit down and you want to chew chew on it and i do have i honestly do have the time and i could i could make it and it may be the game that i get back into because i have another week to wait for that computer and uh, yeah, as we'll talk about later, I'm, I'm I don't have much going on on the game front. It's being a little dry. So what else? What else is in the news here, Bo? You got a story right. for um, us? I got a story, but it's not much of one. <laughs> TwitchCon happened this weekend, so um, you know this stream brought to you by Twitch. Uh, live streaming's a thing, and Twitch is at the center of it for the most part. YouTube might also say it is. But I don't think they have the live stream game as locked down as Twitch does, even though YouTube has the video side, I would say, on lock compared to Twitch. Anyways, I'm on a completely irrelevant tangent. There was a convention hosted by Twitch, um, and so I don't really have much in the way of news. I think if you follow or into this kind of thing, your favorite you know, streamers went to wherever it was held. This is a great news item. I'm... <laughs> You're really getting your money's worth out of this. No, I think is, it was in San Francisco. I think it was in SF in California. Yeah, it makes sense. Everything is. Um, and what is what is it though? Is well, it like, like just every, a... like if you go to Dragon Con, there's like you know all kinds of role playing and, and fantasy related things. So here it was all streamers going to shake hands with the populace for the most part, and Twitch really? with various promotional items like i'm sure there were gaming companies present from what i gathered about the convention which was all on twitter from the few streamers that i do follow is that they you know they got to do meet and greets with people and things of that nature these guys are like mini celebrities in the gaming world it's yeah i guess that makes sense you know so yeah my invite must have got lost in the mail i bet pewdiepie was there he's the only one i know yeah i don't 
know if he was there or not. Um, I know Cryptarian is a big uh, YouTube, you know, streamer on the site Twitch. Um, you know, he regularly gets twenty thousand viewers or more just watching him play yeah. Hearthstone. Um, and so people like that guy, and I know he was there, and there was, there was a lot of people there. I mean, I'm sure there are plenty of games that I'm not into. Like That's interesting, though, because it does touch on what you were talking about before, about this new era, like this streaming era. Like, you get these people who get, like, multi-thousand people viewing their streams, and it gives them, like, it's like a nerd conference or geek conference that allows them to meet the people who are watching their shows. Um, and it kind of, yeah, that's kind of neat. In and there's a way. some, there's some networking opportunities and things of that nature. One of the big things, um, because on Twitch, you get to see who the biggest companies are or biggest games are that get streamed the most Hearthstone being one of them. So they had, they had the CEO of <sighs> Twitch and the CEO of, uh, Blizzard, Mike Morheim play like this uh, exhibition match of Hearthstone. <laughs> I was boring. I, I tried to watch it because I think Mike Morheim's a cool guy. But I was like, yeah, I can't watch this. <laughs> like, it's just, I don't know. You know, it's it's a big promotional thing. A lot of networking going on in the streaming business. But um, Yeah, I guess. The, the I news, new... the only actual information I have to offer as part of this news item is that it happened this weekend. <laughs> yeah, but it's still, I learned that it existed and that's a thing. Yeah. I bet a lot of people don't know about TwitchCon, so... <laughs> Because we stream this on Twitch, I'm just like picturing people scratching their heads, going like, "I guess what I is wrong with these noobs?" I, hey, look, this is a general purpose podcast about video games. Yeah, leave us can't, alone. Can't be expected Stop to know all the us. cons. Jeez. All right, God, Anyways, these people are bullies. Moving on, I got another story <laughs> to add to our new Arimi.txt that I actually found interesting. The story about uh, behind the frame rate police. And um, it's a long article, but so I'm going to... It was on Steamed, which I think is a Kotaku subsection for Steam-related articles. But basically, you know there's just curator groups on Steam? So there was a vigilante mob group uh, called the Framerate Police that would go around and identify games as being capped at 30 frames per second. So, you know, games that otherwise shouldn't be. And um, so they go, you know, if like um, Total Biscuit, if you like that guy and he likes a game, you go to their game page, you'll see Total Biscuit yeah. symbol. And he's like, dude, this game was fun, blah, blah, blah. Well, these guys would go around and be like, guys, this game is 30 frames per second. Like in this day and age, how can it be 30 frames per second? And so what it started looking like because of their symbol is that they were it was gaining this like seal of disapproval on their own Steam games where it was like 30 frames per second. And um, game companies were requesting that, you know, they stop, like, they, they, this is blocked from their site because it actually, it doesn't, it's it's not serving, it's almost like a badge of dishonor, like, that the community is yeah. having. And, like, game companies are like, sorry, we don't want to put our foot forward in that way. And so this is the ongoing debate around the frame rate police is that, like, it's like, oh, it's a free speech issue. You gave us curated groups, so we're doing what you said we were supposed to do. We're curate, curating it by crappy framework there's a term for that and i'm not thinking of like it's just public shaming i suppose or something like they're publicly shaming companies it's it's funny because like the frame rate thing is like not not that there's like i know people are are always pushing boundaries of graphics and animation and stuff but like i've never really understood the frame rate thing like if the game runs smooth enough like i don't see why the difference between you know, anything over 30, 40, 50, 60. Some people who are running these games on like 120 frames. I'm like, really? Is it really that 
big a difference? Like, given the can choice, your, thing, can your eyes really process so much? I, I think I think there's probably an argument to be made between thirty and sixty. I I would err on the side of saying like, well, if we all think sixty is of course better, um, but you know. Their argument has been that we've had the technology for a while, and there's no reason why games cannot be produced now that have that as a baseline standard. And so these folks are upset that companies still get to get away with releasing capping 30 frames. It. Well, capping it at 30 frames per second, yes. Yeah. Um, and like it's it's a personal taste thing. Like at the end of the day, Crofton, you might be like, you know what, 30 frames works for me. These people are, you know wasting their time and a lot of people would probably agree but um i don't know i i, I guess it's I, the capping like, like that that like, i could see that only, being annoying but but the only reason the why they're capping it is because of crappy like crappiness because like i mean all the good games are over you can go 60 frames or higher like think of any on nearly any game like skyrim like borderlands 2 like all those games can hit frame rates way higher than 30. Like 30 is pretty abysmal. So when a developer says, give me $70 and the game doesn't go over 30 frames, these consumers are saying, that's a ripoff. Your game is, your product is poorly made and that's why you can't run it over 30 frames per second. That's how we know. And consumers deserve to know that. I guess that, yeah. I guess that's true. I, you know, for me, I, I'm pretty sure I'm playing The Witcher 3 on PS4 at 30 frames or whatever. It really is not an issue at all. I never think about how many frames I'm seeing on the screen at but once. I think, like, I think the argument there is like, yeah, you're running at 30 frames, but you paid $80 for it. It can run higher. It's not, there's no, there's no shoddiness to the product you've bought. It's not running at 30 frames because if you ran it higher, it would break. And people yeah. have these high-end systems to play high-end games, and then a company's like, they're not like saying, "Give me five bucks for a, a game that we didn't put a lot of development time into." They're saying like, "Oh, here's a AAA game, and it's only thirty frames per second. Yeah, like I, I could see. I'm, I'm, you know, I, th- I, I think it's hard for consumers to tell where value is in a product for eighty dollars, and so I don't know if somebody wants to call out somebody for not making a great game. Uh, not making a technically sound game, looking at you, Arkham Knight for PC, then um, I think consumers should put them in their place when it's warranted. Anyways, that's the news item. The frame rate police are real. Lock your doors. Uh, Hide your kids. Hide your wife. They're frame rating everyone out here. (laughs) Jesus. (laughs) <laughs> All right, what's next in the news? There's another item I see on this list here. You better so, tell us yeah, what's it, cracking, we love the Oculus or VR, and uh, so they're, they've just started announcing that it's probably going to be about 300 bucks when it comes out. And I think, you know, months are going by, man. It's going to come out relatively soon, I think. And uh, I'm excited, but uh, 300 bucks is what they're talking about. And that honestly, for me, I feel that's a good price. I want it to be not uh, ostentatious in its pricing like i don't want it to be ridiculous like a thousand bucks would be a lot it yeah. would it would deter a lot of people from buying it but i want it to be like solid build good quality good tech and all that and so paying the same price as a video game console for the oculus rift i think is good and i've heard talk that sony's morpheus is going to cost a very similar price point which is a big deal because um, Morpheus is an ex- expansion to the PS4, so you need to have a PS4 to buy it. 
it's going to be called PlayStation VR Morpheus was the project name. No. But Oculus will be available on all PCs essentially as long as you meet the system specs. Um, and uh, and 300 bucks, like I feel like that's a good price. Yeah, 300 bucks seems reasonable. It's weird in a way because that's how much you close to how much you pay for like a console with all that processing power. But the console market is like it's a loss leader sort of deal, anyways. Like you're getting more value out of that machine than the ticket price. So I think probably the $300 is reasonable, but the price of a monitor or the price of a smartphone, which kind of has a mini smartphone in it. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, I'm not completely convinced I'll be buying Oculus necessarily. Um, I've heard some good things about Vive and the big deal for me is that when I buy my next VR headset, I want to try them. Like I want, and I might even skip this initial phase and see what consumer reviews are like having bought a DK2 because the screen door effect, like I have it and you say, Bo, why don't you use it every day? And there are apps and demos out there to try and stuff. But the screen door effect is like after half an hour of use, it's enough to make it kind of like, ugh, I just am kind of sick of looking at that, this everything in a grid. So I really want to try the product before spending money like $300 on the next item. So I'm kind of hoping that yeah. Best Buy will have like try before you buy booths and stuff like that. Yeah, me too. And honestly, like if Best Buy is to survive, it's going to become more of like a trial warehouse in a way. Like, I I bought the Alienware computer online from Dell, but I went to Best Buy to try and take a look at it before, you know. This is an issue that they deal with, but definitely um, I think for VR, uh, I agree with you. There's going to be multiple options, and I'm going to want to try. I feel like Oculus has been there from the ground, and that's sort of the one that I'm sort of going with i think like yeah. i think that i'm and i'm not saying i'm gonna buy the first version i'm gonna need, i'm gonna need to see something where i'm gonna be like wow that sounds impressive that sounds like something i can't get normally and uh so i i'm looking um i'm looking forward to, for it but 300 dollars is not a deterrent for me oh good then i'm looking forward to hearing your story your vr stories Try, trying my vr it'll be a change of pace switcheroo um so at iPhone 6S was released, I think, on Monday. Or no, wait, we are Monday. Last it's week, released. wasn't it? Last week? Yeah, last week sometime. And, uh, and, uh, it, <laughs> you it, heard it here first on yeah. the Exclamation Mark podcast. <laughs> Fake news. <laughs> so it broke sales records with 13 million sold. And uh, and uh, I, was, I was actually a little bit surprised because the new, big new feature for the 6S was really of no interest to me, which is sort of like a pressure touch. Yeah. Um, and uh, the, the PlayStation 3 controller had pressure touch, and I always thought that was kind of a useless feature. Never got a ton of use. And really, having it on my phone makes even less sense. We'll see. Maybe I'm wrong, but let's just say that I have a fingerprint scanner on my iPhone 5S that I never use. So, I mean, I don't, I don't see it being... Uh, the hot the hot new thing but it seems like there's a giant market every year that comes out for new smartphones and uh, this was no exception but i'm not tempted for i i think i'll be skipping this year yeah the iphone thing it seems prudent to skip generations partly because when this is maybe specific to canada i think contracts have to be two years now 
So, you know, yeah, mine is this year, though, like this is the year for me. I could jump out. I could jump on the success. And honestly, S's are the kind of refined versions. So yes. I was tempted. I was tempted. But then at the same point, my 5S is still kicking ass. So why would I change? Yeah, no, I have a 5S as well. And there's completely nothing. There's nothing wrong with it. Everything runs fine. There's no lag or slows on it. Um, there's no reason to change at all. And um, these incremental upgrades, I don't know. If you're into that kind of thing, great. Go get the new one. But um, I think if you're on a contract and you kind of care about not blowing money ridiculously, there's not much in the way of value to getting the new one. Well, not to out him by name, but there is an individual in my work, friend of mine. He's a tech guy. Like, I'm a tech guy. I love yeah. tech. He went... <clears throat> bought the iPhone 6s and there is a um, he w- he was in line at the Apple store got a 6s it is um he got a 128 gigabyte version which okay. I didn't even I didn't even know they made them that big like mine I thought 632 maybe 64 was capped but like yeah. it's 128 it's 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 unlocked so he's not with any provider whatsoever like he just went in gave the money and they gave him a phone and he can go with whoever he wants which is new in Canada and uh and it cost uh 1200 Canadian dollars um and uh oh he co- just he bought it just outright the device yeah he bought wow, the he device he could have bought outright. like four VR headset for his whole family no, I I know. Uh, it's, it's funny, too. And what's funny, and, and I was telling him, I'm like, but you're going to need a phone plan. Like, you're going to need yeah. data, a data plan. Yeah. And he and he says, yes, but, like, I get, like, a reduction in price because I'm bringing my phone. And I'm like, but is it a reduction enough to make up for the $1,200? And it, it's clearly not. But he wants the freedom of, of choice to go with whoever he wants. And that's fair enough. He had the money. He chose to spend it on that. Yeah, that's but weird, though. I think he might be out of touch on that freedom of choice bit, too, because the iPhones in particular can be brought over to other carriers. Yeah. Like, and if also, you're, there's feature think... phones, like, they're yeah. locked or whatever, and I think they can be unlocked now. I think also there's some CRTC mandates in Canada saying they have to unlock phones or something. Like, you yeah, better look into right. that because, like... Actually, it's we're at the point now that you're a dinosaur if you're the kind of person that takes the option to buy the phone outright. Yeah. Um, you have way more protections and benefits, at least in Canada. I don't know about the States. Um, as someone taking a contract plan. The only deal no, I, is... I agree. I think yeah. you're right. It, I think you're right about that. Uh, the phone being unlocked automatically after Especially a certain Especially iPhones. iPhones are like the easiest to take to another provider because they're proprietary to Apple. You can't yeah. you can't be like this is a Fido Apple phone. Sorry, you can't take it to Rogers. Like that doesn't work. <laughs> the the reason I brought up the story and the yeah. big takeaway for me is that it costs twelve hundred dollars. And it goes to show you how much money Apple it makes, you know, if it's getting this this money from all, like Rogers maybe normally gives them the money and then we pay back Rogers or whoever. It's just a very high amount of money. And um every year they're they're pulling in mad bank on these phones. Well, Speaking of Mad Bank, I think we should go bank somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> like like somewhere out far off land where we get to talk about video games? Yeah, let's do that. Let's go to that land. Let's get a plane ticket. You got? You, do you have your passport? 
I do. It says all it says on the front is games per minute. What does that mean, Bo? Man, there's nothing cheesier than a gaming passport. All right, let's do this. You always talking about making kids' minds like vegetables. Talk about them out on the street smoking pot. This is games per minute. How do you feel about cutting his head off? All right, this is games per minute, the section where we talk about the games we've been playing. But before we do that, we make an awkward segue into it, as you just witnessed. Yes, awkward segues. <laughs> awkward segue. Um, that was my high school uh, garbage cover band. Um. All right, so, uh, Crofton, have you been playing video games this past week? I actually have been, but uh, it's funny because I'm, I'm almost like, I'm almost in like a dry spell where I got to, I mentioned earlier, I got to switch games. I'm still playing Batman Arkham Knight, and it feels like I thought I you said could that, put the bow on that last week. Now, I, if you recall, last week I mentioned I had completed about half the riddles in the game. I have literally all week just been doing riddles in Batman Arkham Knight. Oh, God. So you don't have the time to invest in playing Witcher 3, yet you're doing riddles in Arkham Knight. Why? Okay, now, at first I thought I was crazy. Then I started thinking, like, I was experiencing Stockholm Syndrome or something, where, like, I, I was being tortured and then I was beginning to like it. Okay. Uh, but But really... It was, it was, uh, it's the, what I realized has happened is that I finished Batman Arkham Knight, like the main story and all that sort of stuff ages ago. And now I'm playing a completely different game. Like I'm playing a puzzle game. Essentially I'm going around. It's multi-tiered. I got to find the puzzles and then I've got to solve the puzzles. Um, and then there's like, there's all sorts of like, You've got to grab informants to tell you where more puzzles are and all that sort of stuff. But if you think about it as an entirely different game, it I don't play many puzzle games, and I really actually quite enjoy them. I think Portal 2 may have been the last dedicated puzzle game I played. So, at, you know, I started playing these, and I was like, I'm not going to solve all these riddles. Really, I'm just doing this until I think of another game to play, or I'm get enough energy to get off the couch and hit the eject button on my PS4 and put in The Witcher. But I have been getting in. And now as the number keeps going down and all this, and I'm like, oh, man, I'm going to do all these riddles. I'm like, and there's more riddles in this game than in any of the previous ones. And the the puzzles are more elaborate and all this stuff. So I'm like, oh, I'm going to finish. Now I'm down to the last uh, of like 470 riddles or something. I'm down to the last 20. Um, oh, and, good lord! You've done four hundred and fifty riddles. Yeah, something like that. Wow. Yeah. So, so uh, I mean, like, like, I know. Remember, we did a segment on behavioral science. I know. Um, you could, it feels like this is like a thing you've made up that you have to get done in life, but you don't really. Like, you guys are doing groceries, and you're like, you know what, Jess? Can you finish them up? I got to go home and like do ten of these riddles. Like, it's important. <laughs> I know. How man, are you I doing this? Like. I don't know. There's probably some sort of psychological conditioning here with Batman Arkham Knight or whatever. Um, there is there is a boss fight that I will get if I do all the riddles. Oh, and, there's the carrot. There's and, no, the and, carrot. And it's and there's a true ending, if you will. And the Riddler keeps making these snide remarks, and one of them talks about how how. Uh, don't doesn't seeing all these riddler trophies all around town affect your ocd batman it's so messy don't you want to just clean it all up and i'm like yes i want to clean it all up so even though i'm not ocd it brings up the- <laughs> yeah you're not ocd nope 
<laughs> I'm not OCD. The, the character I'm playing has OCD. Yeah, Batman's OCD. <laughs> I have to play him as he is. Right. Um, well done. So any, anyway, I'm just uh, I, I'm almost done. Like literally, had we had you know maybe after the show, I'll I'll bang out those last twenty riddles. Next week for sure, I'll have something different to talk about. But this week it was still. Next week Batman. you'll be talking about those last twenty riddles. I think yeah, like, one, it, those one, riddles. one of those riddles is going to be impossible. You're gonna <laughs> one, of the, one of those remaining twenty riddles is going to be hard as, and you're gonna be like, I can't play anything else to like get the true ending. Oh man, I will say Sounds one, healthy. one. One other thing about Arkham Knight. The previous Batman games had these uh, challenge maps, Predator and Combat challenge maps, and I love those challenge maps. But in in this new game, they have these virtual reality sort of like uh, things, and they're they're okay. A lot of them are Batmobile related, but they don't have nearly the amount of challenge maps that they had in those previous games. Um, and so I paid a dollar ninety nine for one piece of DLC, which was just like. I think six challenge maps and I was all like oh hemming and hawing about paying the dollar ninety nine and I paid it and I don't regret it. I've had a lot of fun with the six things. And I realized that like in the old days when we would go into arcades, you would put a buck or fifty cents or whatever in a machine, you wouldn't think twice about it. But here we him and haw about like a dollar ninety nine DLC. Like and and that's the era that we live in now. I'm I'm trying to be less cheap with this stuff because it wasn't a ton of content but i got two bucks out of it you know like yeah yeah well i think it's more just a case of it's the time management thing like are you gonna play it as someone who spent countless dollars on dlc that i've never played you know i'm starting to learn to just chill the f out when it comes to dlc and be like all right it looks cool and i like this game but am i going to play it and Will Steam have it in its store forever? The answer is no and yes to those questions. So it's taken me a while to learn that. But, um, well, so I hope you, you know, get those 20 riddles done and then you can move on with your gaming life and get back to like The Witcher or play Solid 5 or play a game of Heroes with me. Um, yeah. As soon as I get my new computer, I'm committed to playing a game of Heroes with you, Bo. Sweet. I'm Tell, looking, I'm looking have forward you to it. Playing heroes this past week in preparation for your big show. Um, yeah, I've, well, now that like I am like a source of knowledge on the subject of Heroes of the Storm, I'm like I have like this unwritten or what is it unspoken contract? What's the what's that kind of a contract? An unwritten contract. Sure, I have a, but it's like a contract with the public. There's another term I'm looking for. I can't think of. Um, it doesn't matter. Just tell us, goddammit. it. That I have to play. <laughs> Sorry, I have to play Heroes of the Storm because I, I tell people like, "What's up in that game?" Um, so now I feel a you know a responsibility to play uh, well, a game. What was funny was when I was listening to the first episode of Core, uh, and I heard you and Scott Johnson talking. Um, I recognized that you knew so much about Heroes of the Storm. When he asked you a question, you would just be like, "Bam, bam, bam." And you know when somebody knows a lot about something because they'll often drop fluff filler words, stuff like like 
and or you know stuff like that mm-hmm. you were just really locked in so i knew you knew a lot about heroes i am like a big heroes of the storm nerd i am a gigantic a gigantic nerd when it comes to heroes of the storm so i feel really at home doing the thing it w- there was never a point in that show where i was like what am i gonna say which is like you know half of how this show goes so like twitchcon hmm. <laughs> i didn't it's a news item we didn't watch it but i don't know uh, so I played a lot of, but I've been playing a lot of heroes, specifically Hero League. So I'm trying to also increase my rank because, oh yeah, um, I feel like out of the trio, I'm the more com- like my deal on that one is that I'm more of the tryhard than the other two. I think, right? Because I, you know, I play a lot and I play a lot on on the ladder, and it doesn't meant as any sort of thing on them or whatever. But you know. Well, you know, Scott's like, Bo, when he, he, he advertises it for me. He's like, Gorath, when you play with this guy, you win games. And the other teams lose. And I'm like, man, maybe that's... You're, you know when someone bigs up your reputation and then, like, Barack Obama wants to play you and you lose the game? <laughs> <laughs> and Barack well, was like, my Scott Johnson Ooh, said, heroes. you know, I'm really disappointed to hear uh, that Scott Johnson was wrong about you. Um Go to yeah. war with Russia or play Heroes of the Storm against Gorath. Oh, they're both losing propositions. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, so I've been playing a lot of that game. And um, if you want my thoughts on it, go there uh, to that show. And I haven't had a chance, as a result, I haven't had a chance to play any other games except a bit of Rocket League. Um, and I, I downloaded and installed some stuff, but who wants to hear about that? <laughs> Hello there, Bo here. Uh, Just a quick little ad break to let you guys know about another great podcast that uh, is a part of our podcast family called Good, Bad, or Bullshit. Three guys, Bo, Michael, and Crofton, select a topic at random using the random topic generator and debate whether it's Good, Bad, or Bullshit. If you like this, I know you'll like Good, Bad, or Bullshit. Subscribe on iTunes and Stitcher or visit our site goodbadbull.com for more information. And now, without further ado, I'm going to return you to our regular programming of the Exclamation Mark Podcast. Well, let's, you know what? I want to hear more about this, Bo, in a segment that we have in the show that allows us to dialogue back and forth. If only we had such a segment. Do we? Oh, I believe we do. Now that there's one fine dialogue tree. Um, yeah, so the dialogue tree this week, I wrote, a, again, one of these topics that went into my brain and I couldn't put proper terms on it. So I'm going to try okay. and vocalize it here. Sure thing. It's <clears throat> I want to talk about two different types of games. It's really easy to stick stuff into buckets, but... One is the one-and-done type of games, and these are the type of games that I compare to watching a movie, reading a book. Um, You know, it's over. When you finish a book, you don't immediately start that book over, at least most non-OCD people do. Probably Batman would, but most people don't. But but there's some games that are ongoing. Often, I didn't want to limit it to, say, multiplayer games. Most multiplayer games, like a game like Rocket League Bo mentioned – you play five-minute rounds. You can do that forever. There's no end. You're not going to see the credits, whatever. 
But there are other games in the one and done that are multiplayer, like Gears of War as a co-op campaign. But that's a one and done game. You can play it again, of course, but it's mostly you're experiencing a story. Then there's ongoing games. And Bo, I see you playing a lot of these, like Diablo. Diablo has a story, but they encourage you really heavily to play it through multiple times. Um, Heroes of the Storm, all Dota's. Rocket League, these are competitive games, you know, like online games that are encouraging you to go back and go back. Even games where you chase the leaderboards. Um, and there's one on PS4 I've been playing recently, Resogun. It's big on leaderboard scores. So um, which, which is your preferred version of these two games and, and why? Tell me a little bit about uh, what you look for in a based, game. Based on gameplay, it definitely it's the ongoing like like I like to refer to World of Warcraft. Uh, like if you're a gamer who enjoys World of Warcraft, I like to refer to it almost as like a lifestyle choice, which seems like weird um, to someone not acquainted with it. Um, you know, uh, to say that a game is a lifestyle choice, but a game can be a lifestyle choice if it's something that you do every day that your life. Uh, revolves around it to some extent so as an example i do the core podcast for heroes of the storm so here's the storm is more than just a game for me it's a lifestyle choice and so i think when people are looking for ongoing games there's something about that game that resonates with them on a deep level and that they're heavily invested into it and i think there are certain types of players who look for those games where it's a lifestyle choice for them that it, that it rewards their investment versus a one and done experience. So one and you know, the thing about you, Crofton, is you're always like, I don't know what you always have to plan what games you're gonna play next. And for me, I'm always like, which of the games in my constellation am I interested in playing? Um, that has my attention. So I definitely think it's it is a good paradigm to set up a game as like this is a one and done game versus this is a an ongoing uh, experience. Um I would definitely say Diablo is one of those. Um, Destiny, that's big in the headlines right now. The Taken King came out. My Twitter feed's blowing up with people being like, whoa, they revamped the loot system and everything's like way better. Like, go back now and play Destiny, the game. It's like what Loot 2.0 did for Diablo. And that's a game I think that rewards replaying, just like Warframe does, which is a game I get into every now and then. Um, yeah, what, what do you about, think about that? Wh- okay, but... What about, like, Blizzard is sort of a master, I think, of towing the line between the two in many ways. What about StarCraft II? When you play StarCraft II, you've spoken extremely highly of it in the past. Do you think about it as a one-and-done game where you play the campaign through, then you complete the campaign? Maybe you'll go back to it some other time, play the campaign again or whatever. Or do you consider it as more of, like, the ongoing game? Uh, StarCraft 2 for me is a one and done game because I go in, I play the campaign. I haven't really gotten into the custom games that there that has a really robust like custom game community. As you know, so for so without those things to keep pulling me back in and keep me playing, StarCraft is very much like I really enjoyed the campaign experience. I played it through multiple times. I played like when when Wings of Liberty came out, I played it on hard and then I played it on brutal. Brutal is challenging as hell. And so that took a while, but like it was worth doing. But is it a lifestyle choice? No. Um, Diablo. Oh, 
like like so but for some people so if you're someone who's into the esports scene and plays it competitively you probably log in and play a couple hours a day eight hours a day every day or five days a week like that is you you are progressing because that is a game you're invested in on a different level and that's what i mean about that's what i mean about blizzard how like because for instance i've enjoyed playing diablo 3 i've played diablo 3 i don't even think i finished the campaign once and there's lots of games i don't finish or whatever um, but but I've enjoyed it the time that I've put I, I have played it and I think that um, you, you have guys like me and then you have guys uh, like you who play through the campaign multiple times who do the adventure mode who do all these things level up multiple characters it becomes more like of a lifestyle in that and I see the, I could see the appeal of that because like right now as we know I'm hammering down all the riddles in Batman Arkham Knight but when those riddles are gone. I'll be able to play it new game plus maybe if I really wanted to, but I'm not. Pro- I'm probably not going to do that. But I'm probably also not done with Batman. Like I'm still playing it for a reason. I'd like it to be even longer than it is. So I can see the appeal of having endless content. Like endless content will keep you sort of trapped in that ecosystem forever. But I feel like I no matter how high the quality of the content, I end up getting bored. Like I love Rocket League. And right now I'm playing. I'm not playing it due to circumstance, uh, and it hits all my endorphins and stuff. But at one point I'm going to beat. I'm going to lose interest in in Rocket League. Uh, Witcher three, Skyrim. These are great games. Tons of content. I love both of them, but I haven't finished either of them because they're just so long and they're so so content filled. So I feel like in the end I'm looking uh, personally for a game that I not a game I check off the list, but a game that that is long enough that I just didn't learn the game mechanics and then have to quit, but not one that's so sh- so long that I get tired of it. I want to leave the game with fond memories, right? I just find that that the longer I play it, the less likely I'm going to I'm going to focus on stuff that frustrates me over time, right? Yeah, I think it's a question of rewards. So like one and done, the reward the war, reward that's posed is like the spectacle and the narrative through line. Like how enjoyable is that, you know, in Dead Space, I always want to get to the next thing. I want to find out what's going on with the stupid monoliths or whatever they're called. Um, so for me, like that's I take breaks from the usual games I like to play like one and done style games, even like Starcraft to enjoy that narrative, that spectacle, the cool like cinematics that are in games and stuff like that. But the games that I like, like Rocket League's an example of this, as well as, you know, for me, Heroes and Planet Side 2 is another example of this, of like, it's more about mastering the game and being better than other people and beating myself, you know, like be, saying like this week I was this good and next week I learned to do things better. Like I, I sort of do this feedback loop and it's kind of like what people do at jobs, which is like... How well did you answer client contacts this week? Well, can you answer two more in in a day? So let's try improving efficiency. I find my brain approaches games that way where I'm like, even in Diablo, how can I more efficiently clear rifts? How can I get better gear? How can I become a better player? And I would say Blizzard in particular has, that's one of their mission statements is easy to learn, difficult to master. So their games are engineered for someone like me in mind as a core value of its games where, you know, if you're making Uncharted, I don't think that's the core value. The core value for an Uncharted game is, you know, we want to tell an epic story and we want to have an immersive experience. 
Um, they definitely want it to be, you know, easy to learn. I don't know if that's the kind of game that's hard to master, that they've spent a lot of time saying, these mechanics are so in-depth that people will play this for years, you know? Yeah. And it's okay. The most, they both can I, be their own yeah. thing. Yeah. I and It's funny, though, uh, the Uncharted example, because you're absolutely right. But the, it Uncharted games have had multiplayer components, and I found myself drawn to them quite a bit. But I wonder, like, if you play a lot of, like, online shooter multiplayers and stuff, if you'd be like, oh, this one isn't perfectly balanced. I feel that there's a lot of these games that are clearly heavy into one camp and then stick their foot, like, lightly into the other. Often it's multiplayer, single player, but sometimes, like, very rarely is it perfected. Like, I would point to Gears of War 2, Gears of War 3 as games that have managed to like yes you have this epic campaign you could play it through you could change aspects of it difficulty um and and then meanwhile you have like things like horde mode or beast mode or all these things that are might have you coming back night after night online multiplayer and all that as well so there are games that balance those two those two things um and and i like i do like having an option between both but what i realized is i've never had maybe planet side is the closest planet side one and to a lesser extent planet side two is the closest i've had to like a lifestyle game a game that i'm just coming back to over and over and over again over a year past a year like even hearthstone i was really into that uh but for like a couple of months and then i'm like okay this is i'm done now you know i don't care new cards i don't really care all that sort of stuff. I've I played this game. I know what this game is. I've had my fun. I'm out now because I just get get tired of it at, at a certain point, right? Yeah. Uh, and I'm ready for something new. Yeah, I think I think Hearthstone's a great example in this conversation because that's clearly not a one and done game. Like no. it's it's meant to be there when you want to play it. Like so, whether it's just going to be on the toilet or it's going to be eight hours a day, and that spectrum is broad. But I'm someone who's played for long periods of time, really enjoy the game. And um, with the with the with Heroes of the Storm releasing, my time has shifted dramatically away from that game. Um, I like the action gaming over the you know Hearthstone's very slow, <laughs> you know like yeah, no, it's, it's slow and methodical. But that opens it up to a lot of people. But but the point is like even for someone who's a Blizzard fanboy like I am, I don't have time to to do all of it. I don't have time to be amazing or master the game in, in depth. You know, you, you have a very, people have very limited bandwidth, and um, so that's like that's that's sort of the downside to being like an, an ongoing gamer. A progress like Raiders and Warcraft or any MMO for that matter, it's the same thing. They they set aside evenings like three or four times a week even to do the same content over and over again to get better gear to be more efficient. And doing it I over do, and over again, yeah. and just that's the challenge. They they like the progression gaming, which is just oh, I got an incremental upgrade because I spent four, you know, five hours a week doing this thing with my friends, and that's worth it to me. But um, yeah, I think they're I think they're both important. I think you need a balance think, of I, everyone it, needs a balance of both types of games in their life. <laughs> but it, it it does yeah. sort of feel that way. And honestly, one of the reasons I'm interested in trying uh, Heroes of the Storm. Uh, is is because and and I I've never been a huge Blizzard fan, so I'm not sure I'm going to just jump right into it. But I would like an ongoing game. I've been enjoying Rocket League as sort of something that can fit in between my, you know, 
book length games, but I do. Yeah. It sounds like cheesy, but I I like both, and I would like them to coexist. But I realize I lean heavily on one side, which is the one and done like experience. type of ongoing game that you might actually play. And we don't talk a lot about it now because you know Jeff is no longer doing the show uh, with us. But it's sports games like NHL. I don't. You haven't really talked about it that much. But I know is NHL still in your gaming roster? Like, do you uh, still? You know, it's. It's funny that you mentioned that. That is a really good point. Like um, the new NHL came out last week and um, everybody at work is talking about it. And uh, a lot of people have bought it and that sort of thing. And last year they stripped out all the features and this year they added them back. But you're right. It is like an RPG. It is like people are – everybody is buying it at the same time. And it used to be you'd buy it at the same time because you wanted the new rosters. But now they update the rosters throughout the year with patches and stuff. So really, why are you buying it day one? You're buying it day one to get onto the online league and not lose a step because it, the league goes for a year and uh, until a new game comes out and then it's replaced by the next year's league, right? So everybody wants in and wants to create their team and wow. get online. So and, they've, they've, and, they've, they've turned it into a membership. It just doesn't, yeah, look, it doesn't look like a membership. It looks like you bought a game every year, mm. but you're buying membership now. But part of it is like That's they're okay. all talking That's about it. it I, I sort of want to be part of the club sometimes. I think about like, oh, yeah, you know. But I I've, I have a tradition playing that game in the, my living room with my br- brother and like multiplayer on the couch and going online and getting schooled by like 13-year-olds that have tons of time on their hands doesn't sound appealing, but I'm sure it's deeper than that. There's probably ways to filter that stuff out. Right now, I'm looking to uh, Heroes to fill the gap, but I think a healthy gaming diet involves both these tastes. Yeah. And I would like to uh, I would like to have an ongoing game. Yeah. So, well, you know, it's like searching for a lover. You know, you're looking for <laughs> you're looking for that uh, that ongoing game that's really going to be there when you need it that's going to you're going to enjoy very much. And I think you you made a good point about the NHL thing just Part of the thing about ongoing games is feeling like you have a community. Uh, specifically recently with Diablo, you know, I've had I've been able to add a lot of great people to my friends list in Battle.net, um, you know, through doing work on the Heroes of the Pants tournament. And um, so there's often people to play with now. And that sort of fed into my playing of Heroes and my playing of Diablo is other people. And so ongoing games tend to reward playing with other people more so than the one one and done one and done games are less about the single player factor yeah so in the end i do think for me there's room for both of those types of games in my life i just find that as i said i've I've really heavily stacked to one side so i need to find something to fit on the other side but i think uh you know all the merrier the more the merrier. All the merrier. I don't the even more know. the merrier. <laughs> All the it, just All try the more both, merrier. Maybe. Yeah, I I think it's if you're into games, it's good to have a little bit of both. Like you can play those novel size games and then have in between them you get back into your ongoing games as well to fill the gaps and and because you like them and because you're part of a community as you said. Yeah. Um I'm all for it. I think they're I think they're both types of games are good. And I think when games try to be the other thing and not the thing, like when games try to fulfill too many fantasies, then, you know, that's when that game sort of, as 
problems, I think. I think yeah. they need to I think Bioshock specific... 2 is a good example of that. They threw multiplayer into Bioshock or whatever. It just didn't make sense. It's just not what people come to Bioshock for. Unfortunately, right. people are like that, where they can't be like, oh my god, we don't need to play any other game in the universe. This one game meets all of my needs. Wow, company, you are so genius for making the game. Yeah. Um, like, I think that's the fantasy a lot of game companies may have, and I think it's diluted. It doesn't work. Nobody wants that. We want diversity, folks. All right. Um, so that wraps up the dialogue tree. And, uh, you know, typically at this point we do an inventory management, but we're running a little long, and we have some great recommendations, but we like to give them the due they deserve. So we're not going to do an inventory management this week. And if you nope. don't like that, that's the case. Write into us and tell us, dudes, why you slacking on inventory management? Um, and Crofton, where can they where can they write that nasty letter to us? Oh well, they can totally use our email address, and we have an email address. Uh, it's exmpodcast at gmail dot com. Any sort of comments, questions you got, if you want to talk about a game, you want to talk about a dialogue tree topic, that's the place. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter, at EXM Podcast. Uh, you can find all our archived episodes, as well as any sort of information you need with regards to the podcast, at EXMPodcast.com. We have a Facebook page as well, Facebook.com slash Podcast. Give us our likes, and then you'll get a nice little update whenever uh, whenever we have a new episode. Same as on, on Twitter. If you follow us, you'll get notified when we have new episodes, and you'll get our clever tweets as well. Also, Monday nights, generally, we do a live stream on Twitch, and that's twitch.tv slash podcast. And if you like this show, we have a sister podcast, a good, bad, or bullshit show, goodbadbull.com for all the details on that. We review a random topic every week. Not video game related, but still awesome. And then, of course, you can follow us, including celebrity podcaster Bo Schwartz. Bo, where can they follow you? Yeah, you can find me at Bo Schwartz on Twitter, and you can find out all the great things that I'm up to, um, including Core and including the Good Better Bullshit podcast, as well as the podcast and course I'm teaching on Saturday. So also, all that and more on Twitter. He will do autographs, and then he'll. You got to send in a photo. He'll sign it, and then he'll send it back to you. You got to pay postage though, <laughs> but it's a unique privilege. So do it. I'll totally sign it. Send in a picture um, of anyone. I'll just sign my name on it too. Anyways, uh, yeah. Yeah, you can follow me at Croft and Steers on uh, the Twitter as well. You should do it. Yeah, I've hitched my carriage to my prize pony in Bo Schwartz. And, but, you know, one day I might be signing portraits as well over the internet, like Wayne Gretzky. Um, all right, so this, game, this, this week's Master Game Theater quote is coming up next following this great little musical ditty that musical maestro Bo Schwartz has put together. It's now time for Master Game Theater. Right on. So this this one is the first time. Now I don't I don't want to point to games as being like not very 
female friendly, but there aren't that many up until recently. There haven't been that many strong female characters in video games. One company that had a ton of uh, strong female characters was the Sierra game company made these adventure games back in the day. So I've chosen a quote from one of their, their, uh, their games, one of my personal favorites, Gabriel Knight, Sins of the Fathers. So in this in this one, one of us, this is the first time either Bo or I will have to play a lady. Correct me if I'm wrong, Bo. I don't think we've ever done a lady No, we before. haven't done any gender bending uh, as yet on the show. So I'm actually looking forward to this. Who I don't want to assume that I'm being cast as the, the female character. Um, I'll leave that decision to you. Since you're the Gabriel Knight aficionado, and I know you want this done right. Uh, the thing is, is the one line, I'm looking at these three lines, and the one that's most based on knowing how, how it's delivered is the Gabriel Knight line. So I feel like maybe I should do that one, and you should be Grace Nakamura, his assistant. Now, even though her name is Grace Nakamura, and she is of Asian heritage, Bo. I would tell you she does not have an Asian accent. Oh, I hate all Mongolians. <laughs> oh, Are you God. shitty beef? <laughs> you, oh. call, you call her shitty, shitty restaurant? She's just <laughs> an American college student working for Gabriel <laughs> at Sorry, his bookstore. I've, I've been watching uh, South Park. And as you know, the Chinese food store owner, it's very racist. It's <laughs> <laughs> You order a shitty beef. And then you get sick. What do you expect? You order a shitty beef. All right. <laughs> Not like that. Grace Nakamura, strong, proud student working for Gabriel Knight, St. George's Books, his bookstore. All right. That's, All right. That is setting. Are you okay in this female role, Bo? Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. Gender bending, not an issue for me. Okay. I can't say my performance is going to be great, but, you know, I will All try right. it. So here we go. Close enough to show. Master Game Theater. Five, four, three, two, one. If you try to look down my shirt one more time, I'm leaving. Mm, I'm just trying to refresh my memory. I know what you're trying to refresh, and it isn't your memory. Get down! (laughs) 